You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be talking about the second coming of Christ. What is something that happened to you that changed your life? Marriage? Kids? Maybe cancer or even going into the ministry? Although every one of us is concerned about the future, none of us knows what the future holds. But with God, we know who holds the future. Our scripture text comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled 2012. Well, good morning, everybody. Just real quick, Jesus is coming soon. Come on, Jesus is coming soon. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We have a couple of weeks here before we start a series entitled Jesus Is. And throughout the month of October and November, I'm going to be speaking to you out of the book of Matthew on Jesus. Jesus is God, Jesus is man, and Jesus is victor. We're going to be talking about the life of Jesus for at least six weeks. So we're going to take a tour through the gospel of Matthew. But this morning, I just felt strongly impressed that I needed to talk about this topic, the second coming of Jesus. Uh, you know, I grew up in a church where it was really very common to hear about the second coming of Jesus, but over the last 20 years or so, I really, I, I, there's not a great emphasis on it. Maybe the churches that you've been, but the, the fellowships that I've been in, and even in my own ministry, it, we've really focused on the here and now. But as I was studying this week, actually on Monday, the Lord really dropped this into my heart that I was to communicate this. And as I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week, he said, the tension for every good pastor, the tension for every good pastor is to balance the message of grace with the message of personal responsibility. And we're grace people. Everyone say grace. Grace. Oh, it's all about grace. It's amazing grace. But the fact is you have a personal responsibility. You have a personal responsibility to live in the here and now like you're living for eternity. You're living in the here and now. Yes, we live for today. We plant a seed today. We go to work. We do all raise our families today. But the reality is what we do in this life will determine our eternal destiny. And if you read the scriptures, if you read the New Testament, even the Old Testament, but all the prophecies, as a matter of fact, there are over 2,500 scriptures related to the return of Christ. It was the hope of the church. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, First and you know, Ro- you can just go through the whole New Testament and every single gospel writer, whether it's whether it's the Gospels, whether it's Paul, whether it's Peter, uh, whether it's John. I mean, they all spoke about the coming of Christ. It was the hope of the church, and so I want to challenge us today. There was a movie that came out this last year. I haven't seen the movie. There's a movie called 2012. Did anybody see that movie 2012? All right, so a few of you can identify. I didn't ever even heard of this movie, but someone on the staff mentioned it to me. And the movie, the basic concept of the movie is that the whole world comes apart in 2012. And supposedly there, were, there is a, a Mayan prophecy that was given, you know, 500 or 1,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago. And the Mayans predicted that the end of the world would be December 20th, 2012. And the whole movie is based around the world falling apart in 2012. Well, the one thing I can tell you is on December 20th, uh, 2012, the world's not going to fall apart. I can, I can promise you that. Uh, I can just absolutely promise you on December 20, 2012, it's not going to happen. 
Because no one knows the day or the hour. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that very thing. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I'd like to have you stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse number 1. And the Bible says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us, of those, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort. Everyone say comfort. Each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Let us pray. Father, I pray that in these next few moments that the work of your Holy Spirit would take place in each of our hearts. We thank you this morning, God, that you have already ministered to us through worship and through our time of giving and generosity. Now, Father, I pray that there would be a a supernatural release of your Spirit, a challenging in our hearts today, God, that you are coming again for those who are looking and waiting for your appearing. We welcome you, King Jesus, once again in your wonderful name. Amen. Signs of the Times. This movie tapped into a theme. This movie 2012 tapped into an apocalyptic theme that is kind of resident all over the world. Every major religion in the world has some kind of concept of the end. There's something in the human psyche and the human experience that has this concept. Even in popular culture, the terms, the biblical terms, eschatological terms that have to do with the end times, 666 and the Antichrist and Mark of the Beast and these kinds of things are really all through our culture. But the reality is very few people live like there's an expectancy that it could happen. Most people don't. And Paul the Apostle to the church at Thessalonica, he actually addresses this issue. This letter was written, it was probably the first, very first epistle that was written in the New Testament. Most scholars believe it was written about 52 AD. And it came as a result of Paul ministering to the church of Thessalonica. What had happened, Paul goes to the synagogue and he starts to preach the gospel. He starts to tell people about Jesus. Not only did he live a sinless life, but he died on the cross for their sins. And he rose from the dead on the third day and he's alive. And he did that for three days. At the end of the third day, there was a massive revival. I mean, an incredible revival. People started getting saved. Gentiles started getting saved. Some of the priests started getting saved. There were some prominent women and men in the community that started getting saved. And it stirred a bunch of people up. Got a bunch of people really ticked off. And they started persecuting Paul the Apostle and the Apostles and the disciples that were with him. So they run him out of town. But there's this church that's born. There's this group of believers that's born. And they don't really have any understanding about what's going to happen. They hear about Jesus coming again. But in their thinking, they're thinking, well, if they die before he comes, because the expectation was that Jesus was going to come back in their generation. They were expecting that Jesus was going to come back while they were still alive. And if they were to die, they would miss the second coming. 
they would miss heaven. They would miss eternity. So they had some wrong understanding about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter. He writes this epistle to them. And he talks to them about the end of the age. He talks to them about what's going to happen. Now, I mentioned earlier there are signs. There are signs of the day. There are some very specific signs. But one thing that I do know is that we don't know the date. We can have an idea. We can have an understanding about the times. But we don't necessarily know exactly when Jesus is coming again. Therefore, every person who tries to predict a date has always been wrong. I mean, from, you know, for thousands of years, people have tried to predict the date that Jesus was going to come back, or when the end of the world was going to happen. Mark chapter 13, Jesus said it like this, No one knows about the day or the hour, not in the, even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So we don't know when the exact time, but Jesus does tell them there's going to be some signs. And if you have your Bibles, you can look at Matthew chapter 24. He lists a bunch of the signs. And I want to go through them real quick. Just some of the things that Jesus said would be taking place at the end of the times. There's going to be large-scale natural and man-made disasters. I mean, there's going to be large-scale, natural, and man-made disasters. There's going to be famines and earthquakes and terrible times at the very end. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, even the very elect wouldn't be saved. There's going to be a great increase of wickedness. Jesus said it like this, At that time, many will turn away from the faith. They will betray and hate each other because of the increase of wickedness. There is an incredible increase of wickedness. You go to the internet today. The number one drive on the world wide web today is pornography. More pornographic websites are viewed on a daily basis than just about any other kind of, any other theme or common website that people would go to. There's over 370 million pornographic websites. The scourge, the, the, the pro- proliferation of evil in our generation and culture is just, there's no really debate about it. You know, like Dickens said, these are the best of times, these are the worst of times. But there's a great increase of wickedness in our generation. Abortion on demand. Every nation of the world, every nation of the world accepts abortion on demand, except for the Muslim nation. Very interesting. Rise of sexual perversions, thievery, slave trading, child trafficking, alcohol. There's all these kinds of things that are obvious. Although we've had some incredible major breakthroughs. And people have more access to information and the ability to live longer today. We've killed more people in wars in this last century than any time in all of human history put together. You could take the whole six or 7,000 of human history and the last two world wars that have been fought have killed more people than all the people that have been killed in wars in human history. So we're the most knowledgeable. We've had an incredible increase of knowledge. Daniel said it like this. Daniel said that in the last days, knowledge would increase. And people would travel to and fro, and they would, and they would gather all this incredible information. Knowledge has increased at an exponential rate. They tell us every 18 months, knowledge doubles. You look at the, the scientific developments that have taken place in the last 100 years. 80% of the scientific discoveries have happened in the last 100 years. And 90% of the scientists are currently living today. It's a fact. This isn't like, we're not making this up. No. So knowledge increases. Another sign that it's the end that there's going to be scoffers and mockers. They're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? You know, they've been talking about Jesus coming again for 2,000 years ago. 
2,000 years, where is the promise? And so people disregard it. Really, one of the key signposts that we have, that we are living in the final epic or the moments of human history, is the rise of the nation of Israel. The prophecies concerning the resurrection and the restoration of the nation of Israel are really one of the clearest indicators. The the prophets of old spoke about it. Jesus spoke about it. Paul the Apostle spoke about it. It's a big deal. Everyone say, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Why? Six million Jews living in a little small territory, not even barely the size of Delaware. I mean, a small little piece of real estate. It's got the whole world, the whole geopolitical world and and a turmoil and all upside down. I mean, you can't read the front of the New York Times or the Newsweek magazine or Time or any USA Today or any magazine or newspaper and not read about the conflict between the Palestinians and the Israel. This small little group of people. Why? 3,700 years of human history and there's still existence. Uh, It's amazing. They, they They have been run from from continent to continent, from people group to people group. And they still exist as a people because God has a plan for them. One of the most prominent verses is found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And the Bible says, I will take the Israelites out of all the nations where they have gone, and I will gather them from all around and bring them back to their own land. And I will make them one nation and one land on the mountains of Israel. And there will be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. Ezekiel wrote that 900 years before Jesus Christ ever walked on this planet. Amazing. You can all throughout the Old Testament prophecies about the restoration of the nation of Israel. In 1948, that actually came to pass. It's amazing. You know, I mean, most scholars doubted that it would ever happen. But see, we believe the word of God versus the mind of man. We believe the truth of God's word. You see, the generation that you and I live in, we have all these signs, but the generation that we live in is a me generation. It's all about me. It really is. It's all about the here and now. It's about our comfort. It's about what we want, our desires, our dreams, our aspirations, our goals. We're the most educated people in human history. My oldest is 20, my youngest is 15, and the education that they've received. I know, you know, as parents, we're a little more focused than my parents were. My parents were vaguely aware that I went to school, but... (laughs) But it's amazing. My 50, the, the, the textbook, I was reading through his biology book, and I was a senior in high school taking, I was a senior in college taking a biology course, and he's a freshman in high school taking the same course. I mean, it just boggles my mind. And I'm reading, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I, you know, I think once I, I, remember, I remember some of those terms because I had to pass a test, but I couldn't tell you from Adam what it even meant today. But the generation that we live in, we're more educated. We have greater wealth. We have the wealthiest people in human history. We have, we have issues with too much food, and then a billion of the people on the planet have an issue with not enough food. We have these great despairing consequences, and the fact is today, although it's always been with it, we can see it now. We can import it right into our living room. It's just an amazing generation. It is really an amazing generation. Whether you're from the greatest generation, the boomer generation, the X generation, the Y generation, or the M generation, things are moving so fast into the future with so many messages and people vying for your attention that the reality that Jesus is coming again has been swept to the side. That's just a reality. Just been swept to the side. What do people say about the coming of Jesus today? What do people say today? Some deny it. Some don't really know. Some think that it's already happened. Some could care less. 
Some wonder about it, but few actually believe that Jesus is going to come again. You see, if you really believe that Jesus is going to come again, and the potential for him to come in your generation, and your lifetime, it will change the way that you live. And that's exactly the issue that Paul is addressing. You see, the last action, the promise of his return is real. The final words that Jesus spoke, the final words that Jesus spoke to John the Revelator, Behold, I come. Behold, I come. And blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Behold, I come. Jesus is coming. Since the return of Jesus is at hand, this is my point. You got to get this. You got to get this. You can write this down. Since the return of Jesus is at hand, it is our duty to live ready to meet him when he comes. And this is the tension that I feel as a pastor. Because the fact is, God is a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of mercy, and His love endures forever. But we have a personal responsibility to live our lives in a way that brings honor and glory to Him in the now. So there's a tension, the already and the not yet. Since the return of Jesus is at hand, it is our duty to live ready to meet Him when He comes. If you believe that Jesus could come at any moment, it will affect the way that you live your life. It will affect the way you live your life. So Paul talks about this. Verses 1 through 3. He talks about what we know about the future. He talks about what we know about the future. He says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief. Very interesting phrase. The day of the Lord. Everyone say the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. This phrase, the day of the Lord, is commonly used in the Old Testament. But in reference in the, in the New Testament, it has to do with that big day. It's a big day at the end of history. So although we don't know the exact time, Paul does tell us it's going to come suddenly. It's going to come suddenly like a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly. It will come when people aren't expecting it. And Jesus said it like this. He said, in the day of Noah, people were eating and drinking and marrying and basically living life. In the days of Noah, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus, letters, if you got a little, one of those older Bibles and the words of Jesus are in red, this, it's the red letter edition. Jesus said those words. Jesus said, for as it was in the, can keep that up, for as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, people were given in marriage and doing all. And then the rain came and the ark was shut. And they had no idea what was going to happen. They had no idea. But they knew something bad was going to happen. They just knew it. They, they knew that the door was shut and there was no way for them to get in. That's exactly what's going to happen at the coming of the Son of Man. It will come suddenly. There will be great distress upon the world. Paul the Apostle said like a woman who is giving birth. You see, a woman that's giving birth knows that she's going to give a baby. Now, and like today, you know, they have cesarean section. But if you don't have, like, the date on your calendar, even then you, you might have the date and you'll get close, but you won't have the exact time the doctor makes the incision. But natural childbirth, the mother knows she's going to have a child. She knows she can get really close. She might get within a couple of days. 
but she doesn't know the exact time. She doesn't know the exact hour. See, but there's great distress, and she can't wait to have that baby. She can't wait for that child to come. That's the anticipation that the believer should have towards the coming of Christ. The third thing is, he says, there's going to be no escape for the unprepared. There's not going to be any escape. For those who are not ready for the return of Christ, there is no escape. Now, lots of opinions, lots of thoughts about, you know, maybe another chance and tribulation and all. I don't know. I'm just telling you, man, when you read it, it seems pretty clear. Like, there is a day that Jesus is coming. It's the second coming of Christ. And when Jesus comes, when he comes, there's, there's no escape. Uh, uh, for the believer, it's the blessed hope. For the believer, I mean, it is the day that we look for with great sense of anticipation. But if you're living on the edge, or if you're the unbeliever, it's going to be scary as you know what. It's either hope or hell. It's either heaven or hell. It's a reality. That's a fact. We very seldom talk about this. Very, very seldom talk about this expectation. We sang about it in the very last song that we sang this morning. But let me tell you, over and over, it was a common greeting. A common greeting among the early Christians. They would say, Maranatha. Everyone say, Maranatha. And the word Maranatha simply means, Our Lord comes. That's what it means. Our Lord comes. Our Lord is coming. So for the person who's living kind of, you know, on the edge, the person who's not the believer, should be scary. Now, what happened to me as a little kid, because we had a lot of teaching on it, and we watched the movies. We had these movies. My, my pastor, man, I got saved so many times as a kid because about once a year, he'd pop this movie in called The Thief in the Night. And man, I mean, I'm telling you, for the next couple of months, I was walking straight. At least I was thinking about it, you know. And I remember probably about fifth grade coming home from school and my mom's not home and she's supposed to be home and the car's in the driveway and, and my mom's nowhere to be found. There's a coffee cup on the kitchen table and I'm running around. I mean, I remember literally running down the street screaming, God, forgive me! Jesus, forgive me! I mean, I remember. Well, why was that? Well, I, you know, I wasn't living the way that I should have been living. And if you're living on the edge, you got one foot in and one foot out, and you're back and forth, and you know, you're a typical American Christian, and we do a little of this, and yeah, but it's a good Sunday, we'll take care of it. No, no, no. You gotta be thinking about this every once in a while. You see, but as believers, we know our identity. Look what he says in verse number four. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Look at this contrast between light and darkness. Huge contrast. Huge contrast between light and darkness. We're people of the light. We are healthy, happy, holy, humble, faithful, fun-loving. We have the joy of the Lord which our strength. Come on. We're not in gloom and doom because Jesus is coming again as believers. We're not in great sorrow. We're not trembling and shaking and afraid we're going to miss it. No, there's a great sense of anticipation. There's a great sense of expectancy. There's a great sense of hope. We are children of the light. The King James uses the word sons of the light, but the NIV uses the word children. The New Living uses the word children. The word children better describes because it's sons and daughters. It isn't just for the guys. Children of the light. We're people of the light. 
We won't be caught off guard. We're people of the light. I love what Paul the Apostle said to the church at Ephesus. For you once were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's my admonition to you today. Live as children of the light. Jesus said that we were the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the world. We are salt and light. In your workplace, you are salt and light. When you go to work, not that you're going to be the best at everything, but you're going to be the best that you can be. You're going to give 100%. You're not just going to slide in and always be the guy the boss has got to call in about being late and, you know, you're fudging on the time. I mean, come on, guys. You're children of the light. If you were fudging on the time clock, stop it. Stop it. That's not children of the light. If you're cheating on your taxes, stop it. That's not being children of the light. If you're looking at pornography on the internet, stop it. That's not being children of the light. I mean, if you're getting drunk and doing things that you shouldn't, just, you know. I know you say, well, it's not that easy. Well, you know, it's choices. And if you need help, we have Celebrate Recovery, who helps people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And you need to get into that. You need to get into that ministry and get into the life of God and discover how you can live a free life. Jesus spoke again to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then he goes on in verses 6 and 7. We know about our duty. This is what we know about our duty. Verse number 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But those of us who are of the day are sober, putting on the breastplate of love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Everyone say, the hope. Be alert. He's saying, be alert. Be sober. Be aware of what's happening in the generation. Be educated. Read. Study for yourself to see if these things are so. Don't just let me regurgitate what I've been studying all week. Study the scriptures for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself. What does Jesus really say? How should we then live? Be self-controlled, alert. Your enemy, your enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan hates you. He hates your family. He wants to destroy your life. He's got a great big bark. He's got a great big bark. And if you're not walking in the light, as Jesus is in the light, that bark can turn into a big bite. And it can hurt. It can hurt. Lots of pain associated with going the wrong direction. Being ignorant of the devil's devices. You see, the tension that I feel today about this great day, the tension that I feel, it's a great day of expectation, but I know that there are some who are not quite ready. There are some who aren't quite ready. Paul said, be prepared. Put on that full armor. You know, the church at Ephesus, he talked about putting on the full armor of God, being a soldier, being a warrior. Being a warrior, putting on the full armor of God. And he goes through the sword of the Spirit and the feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But here to the church of Thessalonica, he talks about this breastplate of right living. Breastplate of right living. Where we use is righteousness. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. So that's a choice. It's a choice. Salvation is a gift. But choosing to live by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit is a choice. It's a choice. Everything God gives to you is a gift. His grace is a gift. It's amazing. His love endures forever. But I choose to be a child of the light. I choose to walk that kind of life. 
And then he says, put on the helmet of hope. Are you hearing that today? It's a helmet of hope. Jesus coming again. It's our blessed hope. He's our soon coming king. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. I don't remember how the rest of it goes. I remember that part, though. We sing a lot of songs about Jesus coming again. I remember one of them had kind of Hawaiian melody to it. Was that, was that the one that was? Someone probably remembers that one. Got a little Hawaiian melody. They took it out of some Hawaiian song. What's that? Oh, yeah, he's coming soon. Well, he sang all those songs. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Church! Clean up! Church! Get dressed up, church. Be overcomers. Live victorious. It's available for you. It's good news. You can put on the full armor of God. You can live as the head and not the tail. You can be a conqueror and not conquered. You can be an overcomer and not defeated. Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus is available for you today. And all power under heaven and earth has been given unto you. You are a victor today. You are a victor today. See yourself the way that God sees you. Stop looking at yourself the way that you see you or the devil sees you or anybody else. Put on that spiritual uniform. Let me tell you, it's the hope. It's the hope. Here's the deal. This is what we know about our future. This is what we know about our future. For God did not appoint us to wrath. I'm telling you today, we are not as believers appointed to wrath. There's a scary day coming. It's scary. Don't kid yourself. And there's scary days today, depending on where you live. You know, the terrible thing about fighting wars on foreign soils is that we don't experience... I mean, it's terrible because we're totally inoculated to it. We have young men and women in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Bordian, Iraq. My nephew did three tours into Iraq, and he's never been the same. He was with that first invasion that went into Baghdad when Saddam, when the city fell. And, and you know, and to this day, I mean, a lot of these young men, they come back and He's not the, I just can tell you, he's not the same young person. He's not the same man. It, it, war is hell. And when you don't smell it and see it and feel it, and it's just somewhere over there, it doesn't have any reality to you. There's a lot of people living in hell right now. There's a lot of people. A lot of people, they're experiencing hell on earth. But there is a final place. We're kind of inoculated as Americans because we have such great wealth and great power. Much of the world doesn't. But as believers, we are not destined to damnation or to doom. I love this verse in Peter. Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish. Everyone say, No one should perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to experience wrath. God wants every Muslim, every Buddhist, every Catholic, every Pentecostal, every Baptist, every Lutheran, Every Hindu, every Druid, every person on the planet that's ever been created in His image, God wants them to come to repentance. That's the heart of God. That's why we're doing what we're doing in this church. That's why we're reaching out, demonstrating the love of God in practical ways in our community. That's why we're releasing you into the mission. See, as believers, we're not doomed for destruction. But we're destined for deliverance. We are destined for deliverance but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us 
whether we are alive or whether we go to sleep, we will live with him forever. We're destined for deliverance. You're destined for victory. Behold, I come, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. For I am the um, Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those whose robe, who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the gates in the city. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I mean, it's a fair question. I don't know. I don't know where you are with God today. But are you ready? So many believers today, they're spiritual sleepwalkers. Many people who profess Christ are intoxicated with the world. You know the amazing thing about this social networking? And I'm on Facebook, and I see what people post, people in my circle of influence, people that somehow I've been connected with over the years. I see what people post. And you know, there's some people that are really are doing well, but there's other people who are all confused about the occult and horoscopes and who is their king and their God. And today I want you to know there is one king and his name is Jesus. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our king. And Jesus is coming soon. Your identity today. Are you ready? Are you ready? How ought you live today? How ought you to live well, my challenge to you today, live a life sold out to God. Live a life sold out to God. Share with those who are weak. Share with those who are weak. I was, my wife and I were driving on the radio today, coming in on the, on the car and listening to the radio and, and the gospel station, and this woman was on there, and she was just preaching. And it was so powerful. I was like, my wife's going, that's really good. That's really good. That's really good. I mean, it was really truth. She was preaching truth. And then at the end, the host said, so nice to have you with us. And he mentioned the woman's name. And the moment, the moment, the moment that he mentioned the name, something in my heart, oh, I knew too much about that person. They had a failure. They're this. I thought, wow. It's amazing. It's amazing how quickly we judge others. When people are weak, they don't. The, when the body of Christ stumbles, when someone in your circle falls down, you're not there to kick them and tell them how terrible. You're there to lift them back up. You see, although we are weak, the Bible says we shall become strong. To the weak, we bring encouragement and hope. And then we've got to warn people. There is a day coming. Not everybody's going to believe we're not fruitcakes, nutcakes, weirdos, wackos walking around with the repent to turn or burn signs. We're living abundant life today. But there is a sense that the blessed hope is coming again. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready? Why don't you bow your heads? Everyone bow your heads. Please, no one move. The Holy Spirit's speaking to someone today. I know the Holy Spirit's here today, and He wants you to be ready. There's a great life in God for you. To be a children of the light. Not a children of darkness. Not a child of the darkness. Not a child of fear, the coming of Christ. But a great faith and expectancy. You hear today, say, Pastor, you know what? I don't think I'm ready. Oh, I've said a prayer. and Maybe you've never asked Jesus in your life. I don't know where you're at with God. This is not about joining a church or a religion. This is about knowing Jesus personally. 
Because it is all about Jesus. Jesus is coming again. He is coming soon. Thanks for listening to this message, 2012, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.